0: The following is a message by Pastor Ken Prater of Durkytown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. For more information about Durkytown, please visit our website at www.durkytown.org. That's D U R K E E T O W N.org.
1: Chapter 19. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. And there were about 12 men in all. He entered the synagogue for three months, spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, Speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, and reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus, this continued for two years, so that all that heard, uh, all residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. It's the word of the Lord, it's for our good. Children can go to children's church. You may be seated for the introduction to my sermon. Todd Andrews is going to join me. Uh, We're going to sing a duet. Uh, No, no, uh, no. We're not. Um, Poor Todd. Todd suddenly like. (laughs) (laughs) This is this is very true, Todd. Todd and I had a real privilege to uh, go to Philadelphia uh, a week ago last Friday and into Saturday. To visit a, a church plant that we are proposing, Durkee Town begin to support in a uh, financial and prayer uh, relationship, and um, it was right in the heart of one of the real desperate uh, inner city neighborhoods in our nation, and certainly in uh, the city of Philadelphia. But Todd, what impressed you? Kind of, what were your impressions coming out of that? Uh, both uh, with the church and, you know, just kind of the overall thing that you saw.
0: Um, Yeah, one of the opportunities that we had when we were down there was um, Eric uh, took us for a drive around the neighborhood. Um, And uh, in the course of a 20-minute drive around a few blocks, um, which is less time than it takes me to come to church in the morning, we had passed by... uh, the houses, well, houses, the residences of probably a quarter of a million people. Yeah. Um, and as as we did that, he's got a unique understanding, having, having grown up there, um, a, a u- unique understanding of exactly what's going on. And he was saying block to block how much of a difference there is mm. um, from one to the next. And, um, you know, if I look at it, I'm just looking at a bunch of, of buildings. You know, there's there's three high-rise apartment buildings on this side, and there's three high-rise apartment buildings on this side. And I look at it, and I'm just, there's six high-rise apartment buildings, whatever. And Eric explained it as, well, no, the, the people that live there have nothing to do with the people that live over here. In fact, they're, it, it's, there's, a, there's fights between them just because you're the people that go over there, that live over there. And this is like between cousins and everything else. Um, so in, in getting that kind of perspective about what it's like, uh, in the city from block to block, then we got to see mm. where, um, where Grace City is in, uh, what they call Frankfurt, Um, and Frankfurt is the name of the street that it's on. And, um, and w- we got to hear a lot about the, the unique things that are going on just within the few blocks of where this church has been planted, mm. Mm. Um,
1: Talk a little bit about your impressions of that church plant and kind of the things you saw that maybe excited you or you, you thought were wonderful. To you know, we could share.
0: Yeah. Oh. Um, Well, one one of the wonderful things that happens there, and it's, it's pretty much because it's there that it happens there. Um, The uh, pastor Steve, uh, pastor Stephen, is this. uh, He he has a personality that reaches out. uh, He just wants to get to know the people that are around him and that it's Mm -hmm. it's an amazing uh shepherding heart that he has and he said well all we have to do is put on a pot of coffee and people will just come in somebody will just come in off of the off of the sidewalk and um and and right there you can start having conversations and you can uh, develop relationships with the community just by putting on a cup of coffee and giving out cups of coffee Mm -hmm. um and he's got a heart for that, and he's got uh, a, such a unique position to be able to do that right there and um, and affect the the neighborhood mm. and and be influential in the neighborhood mm. and it's mm. It's such a diverse neighborhood too um, well like like his his family um, is kind of reflective of the neighborhood, in that you've got all different races all coming together in frankfurt
1: mm. Mm. yeah.
0: Um, yeah, it, it's just that uh, this, this is what jazz got me jazzed up about the whole thing, um, was really seeing his heart and seeing his ability to reach out and do ministry there. Um, and can I talk a little bit about the new building? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, go right ahead. Um, so <laughs> they're, they're renting a space, um, and their, uh, their parent church, um, uh, greater Grace, which then, their Grace City, um, but uh, grace. they're they <laughs> I didn't want to say Lesser Grace, but they're like tiny Grace. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Grace Redux. Um, th- they saw fit to um, help them out, and they're going to go from renting a space to a space that they've purchased. Um, and believe it or not, in this part of Philadelphia where things are tough, uh, real estate wasn't terribly expensive Um, and in doing that they're like okay well if we're going to find a place we need to find it close by because our um, our congregation is just people that walk here as people that live here Um, our ministry is unique like the culture of frankfurt is unique block by block it changes so if he moved to some place that was even two blocks off completely different people he'd be reaching in completely different methods you would need yeah. to do it but they've found a place that it is um, it wasn't it was one one block a block and a half yeah down Frankfurt so still on Frankfurt just the other side of the street you can see one from the other and people were like oh what's going on in there what because they have to do a lot of rehab on the inside what's going on in there and as soon as they put up the sign they're like oh it's those guys from across the street that's great that's cool
1: yeah yeah I think that um if you can visualize um, a large street with an uh, elevated train track running down the middle of the street uh, so that when you cross the street up above you is the train going by, and then it's just it 's just wall to wall buildings, and uh, most of them not um, necessarily inhabitable uh-huh. um, they're just they're in this storefront doing the work of the Lord and I, I thought um, Interesting that uh, maybe a block down is this massive old Episcopalian church building where no gospel is being preached, uh, the, the pastor of the church doesn't even believe in the gospel. Then on the other side of them, uh, across the street, is this historic Presbyterian church preserved, uh, gated, uh, well, manicured lawns just sticks out like a sore thumb in the midst of everything else. No gospel being preached there, just kept alive by endowments. Between those two buildings, there's a converted bank that Hindus bought and now have made into a Hindu temple. And then there's this little storefront, just this little storefront where people come in and they receive the life-giving news of Jesus Christ. And um, remember the things that I've been talking about of descending into the particulars of people's lives, of going into their deepest need. And, and uh, this is what they're doing at Grace City. They are going into uh, the deepest needs. And I, I said to him, um, you know, I think that they have more to give us than we're going to give to them. And he thought that was maybe kind of strange. But as I've pondered that, I really do believe that to be true. And here's one way that I've, that I've seen it. There is a certain level of transparency that exists in congregations that are desperate, that don't exist in congregations that aren't desperate. And whatever we need to recapture in desperation for Jesus that we really can't do what we're doing without Jesus, although sometimes it appears we can. I think we can learn from places like that in the inner city, in the deepest needy places, that they have a transparency, a community that exists. Uh, um, we have put some of their pamphlets on the back table there, and, and on the inside, it simply says, we all come with str- our struggles, regrets, and hardships every week. We want you to come. We want you to come with all our struggles, regrets, and hardships every week. While it is true that uh, every one of us in this room has a struggle, a regret, and a hardship, I don't think we're transparent with that. We're too protective. Whereas in a place like that, you can't hide it.
0: No, it... Everybody's wearing it on their sleeve because yeah. you don't have anything to cover it up with. Yeah.
1: And in that way, I think that there's a, a descending into the particular needs that, by God's grace, we pray, will have a profound effect. Thanks for traveling with me, by the way. I, uh, I just want to say, Todd's a great traveling companion, first of all, mostly because he drives just like I drive.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say because I bring the snacks. Well, that- he
1: brings the snacks. <laughs> And he drives just like I drive, and he's one of the few people that I ever have ridden with that I wasn't nervous except one time when he intentionally, intentionally made me grab the thing up there, whatever that thing is called, and scream out like a, ah, (laughs) ah. We weren't that close. We were that close. (laughs) And don't let him tell you otherwise. Thank you so much, Todd, for taking the time away from work and just using your car and being a, a great friend and a, serving as an elder and helping to catch that vision and pray that we will be a blessing to them down yeah, there.
0: Yeah, it really was a pleasure. Um, one, one thing that I, I would like to mention um, in, in opportunities in this, in this partnership I mean, we talk about a financial partnership and a prayer partnership, but um, and, and that relationship is, is definitely is going both ways. Um, like we said, they have a, a new building and um, they they need some people to, to help out with with uh, uh, construction. Now, and if you think, oh, I'm not a, a general contractor or whatever, I, I asked the uh, pastor Stephen. Um, we've got some people that might be able to sling a paintbrush or, or swing a hammer, but maybe not know exactly which direction to point it. And they said, and he said, that's great because they have so many things uh, that they need to do just so for. Philadelphia to be okay with that, that they need you to do it the way that they tell you to do it. So if if we're able to go down and do that and, and just do what they tell us to do, it's great. Um, mm. The other side mm. of that is um, even if you're n- unable to swing a hammer, um, like I said, if they put on a pot of coffee, all of a sudden you're going to be having conversations with people on the street and, and building their relationship with the community. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, there's, you, know, you don't have to have those, uh, those special talents to be able to help them out. Um, but also in, in doing that, um, it's going to, going to be enriching us to understand even more about how God is moving in Philadelphia, mm. how God is moving in the heart of the city, and how we can better pray mm. for God to be healing the city yeah. and healing the hearts and bringing people to him.
1: Yeah. yeah. Amen. Yeah. Thank you. We're there because of a friendship we've developed uh, with Brother Eric McIntyre, who um, is part of the larger Grace uh, Church uh, and has introduced us to this plant. And uh, Lord willing, on, um, the, at the members' meeting coming up, uh, we will affirm the mission budget and, and bring them into our uh, support and partnership. But um, pray that God's grace uh, will be with us as we do. Uh, so this, this mission this mission emphasis is not outside the context then of the sermon, which is why I wanted to use it kind of as an introduction in this series that Pastor Mike began uh, last week with the question, where is, where is the love? Where is the love? And it's the question we're going to be considering for a few weeks. Um, the title of the series bears the same name as the song uh, made famous uh, some years ago now by Roberta Flack. And it was a duet, actually, Roberta Flack and Donnie Hathaway, and Rhonda thought we should play the song um, maybe as an introduction, and then um, no. Um, uh, It was way, 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 way back in 1972. Um, I think I first heard it uh, being played on the jukebox, uh, eating a lunch in the high school cafeteria. Uh, The Christian kids in my high school were really thankful for a jukebox because then we didn't have to sneak around and listen to that rock and roll music. It just was playing But then the next year, they took us all out and put us in Christian schools so it solved the problem. Uh, They were non jukebox Christian schools, by the way. Um, But anyway, where is the love? It's a question that we're going to ask and answer in two different ways. Uh, In this sermon, I want to ask it from the vantage point of God's love to us. Where do we see God's love, in particular in the story of Ephesus, even though the word love isn't even mentioned in the In the chapter, uh, where do we see God's love? And the next week, we're going to be in Revelation chapter number two, when Jesus comes to the church at Ephesus and asks, where's the love? Where's the love? And so these two perspectives then get completed um, at the end of this rather short series when we are in Ephesians 6. And we see how God's love is a persevering love. And because it perseveres, it allows us to persevere as well uh, with God's love. So where is the love to be found in this rather dramatic and very exciting story of the Lord Jesus Christ? It is the Lord Jesus Christ who overtakes the powerful and thoroughly pagan city of Ephesus. And if we talk about cities like Philadelphia or uh, when we talk about Montreal, Uh, Next week, we got to remember that these powerful cities are thoroughly pagan, and the only way they are going to be rescued is by the love of God coming to them in the proclamation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what is true of those cities is true of this hamlet, this little hamlet where we are, true of the village of Fort Edward where we have ministry, true of where you live as well. It will only be through God's love coming in the proclamation of Jesus Christ that uh, these cities can be rescued. I want to uh, point out uh, both by way of reminder and with thanksgiving that the first way we see God's love in this particular text is that the Holy Spirit is on the scene. The Holy Spirit is on the scene. I don't have time to parse out for you how it works this transitional period how is it that paul laid his hands on some people they received the spirit spoken tongues began to prophesy why is it we don't do that today why is it when you came into church i didn't say robert do you have the holy spirit today and robert's like yeah i'm good to go and then i go to linda you got the holy spirit and she says no and i put my hands on her suddenly she gets the spirit but in this transitional period that's what happened. But only now to say that when we by faith receive Christ, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it is the gift of the Holy Spirit then that I want to say gives us evidence of God's love. How else would we know the love of God in a saving way without the work of the Holy Spirit? And I wonder sometimes in conservative thinking Baptist churches like ours, we sometimes wouldn't be it wouldn't give the same answer that these 12 men gave when Paul said, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they're like, well, what's that? And I just wonder sometimes, and it kind of grieves me, and it makes me concerned, do we fully understand the work of the Holy Spirit and the absolute necessity of the work of the Holy Spirit uh, to bring forth then in power as we proclaim the name of Jesus the transformation that is needed, of course, in our lives. Uh, Today is the 24th Sunday after Pentecost. We have tried for the past number of years to bring the ministry of the Holy Spirit to greater light in our congregational life uh, because He is the Spirit of Christ who is to be powerfully working within the church. And uh, we, as God's people then, perhaps need to begin with just giving God, thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. We are, the, we are the temple of the living God and as the temple of the living God, we have the spirit of the living God dwelling within us. If this hamlet, if the village of Fort Edward is to be reached, if your family, your, uh, the place where you live, a neighborhood or country road, whatever it might be, if they're going to be reached with the good news of, the G- of Jesus Christ, it will require us to depend upon the Spirit in prayer and with great patience to persevere waiting upon His work to come in greater fullness. But it's going to require something else. It is going to require us to have full confidence in the Spirit's work to... Um, empower the Word of God as it is proclaimed. So the first way we see God's love in this story, even though the word love doesn't isn't written there, is the gift of the Holy Spirit who comes. but then the second way we can see God's love so we say, well where's the love? Well here's the love in the prevailing word of power. Luke uses this summary statement that I, pray will become the summary statement of our church uh it has been this way in the past i pray it will maybe be again in the future i think it is to a large degree now but in verse 20 he describes the work of paul in this way the word of the lord continued to increase and prevail mightily As Luke steps back, he looks over the scene in Ephesus. He says to himself, what happened here in Ephesus? What he concludes is that it is the word of the Lord that prevailed mightily. It wasn't the ingenuity of Paul. It wasn't even the sincerity of Paul. It was God sending his word with great love upon this thoroughly pagan city, that was filled with all kind of human power and ingenuity, but God stepped into that with love through the proclamation of the Word. We will see in this text that it's both the public and private proclamation of God's Word that then overtakes the darkness and it brings the light of Jesus to lost sinners. It accomplishes exactly what Dave read uh, from Isaiah that the servant of the Lord brought the light to the nations. It is what he read from uh, Acts 15 and 16 that initially Paul is not allowed to go into Asia. He needed him to go to Macedonia first, but Paul does eventually get to Asia, and when he gets to Asia, he comes with power, not of himself, but with the proclamation of God's word. He has full confidence in the word of God is that which is needed to convert sinners now we just want to very quickly chart this out in verses 8 to 10 and then 11 to 19 what you'll see first that when uh, when these 12 men he now calls disciples begin to follow him the first thing they do is to go into the synagogue verse number eight he's in Ephesus and a Jewish synagogue in Ephesus, and how long is he there for? How many months? Three months. And what is he doing there? He's speaking boldly. He's reasoning. He's persuading. And what is his focus? What does it say? His focus is the kingdom of God. Three months in the synagogue. What's the response? Verse 9, they become stubborn. They continue in unbelief. They speak evil of the way. So does Paul say, forget you, I'm all done, goodbye, I'm out of here? No. He withdraws from the synagogue. And then where does he go? He takes his disciples with him. He goes then every day into this place called the Hall of Tyrannus. The Hall of Tyrannus uh, is uh, named apparently after a teacher or philosopher who was a tyrant. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine? Like I'm going to go ask a guy whose nickname is, being, is one as a tyrant if I can use his hall to proclaim Jesus Christ. Now, the way historians talk about this, this would be in the cooler part of the morning, the hall would be used by Tyrannus, and the cool of the afternoon and evening it would be used by Tyrannus. But during this middle section in the hot part of the day, It's unused, and Paul's like, hey, we'll use it. And what does he do? He goes into it, and for two years, he proclaims Jesus Christ. So much so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. So there is this public proclamation by Paul of God's word resisted by the jews in the synagogue now in what is probably the worst time of day and maybe in the worst circumstances possible there the word of the lord begins to prevail and head you know a kind of a headway is being made so much so then paul is out on the streets in verses 11 and 19 now this is very important to see If the gospel is going to go out, if the gospel is going to make way, you can't just be inside a building. You can't just say, oh, you know what? I preached today. I'm all set. Paul is out with the people. And what is God doing? Verse 11, extraordinary miracles by the hand of Paul. This is crazy. So that even handkerchiefs and aprons that are touched and touching his skin were carried away to the sick. Their diseases leave them and the evil spirits come out of them. But notice something then that happens in verse 13. There are some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists they undertake to invoke the name of Jesus. Now, they don't believe in Jesus. They see the name of Jesus maybe as a way to get some power. And so they invoke the name of Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you, by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. And then Luke gives us this little story. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. Verse 15, the evil spirit answered them. I know Jesus. I recognize Paul. I don't know who you are. I mean, this this must just have been like, like, It would have undone me. I I would have just been scared to death like at that point. And then Luke tells us what happens. That the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered those men, overpowered them. They fled out of the house naked and wounded. And then Luke says, "Oh, guess what, you know what? After that, this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, Jews and Greeks. Fear falls upon them and whose name is now being extolled. Whose name? The name of Jesus begins to be extolled. And the result of this then, many who are believing, now believing, they come confessing, divulging their practices. Numbers of those who practice magic arts bring their books together, burn them in the sight of them all. Massive amount of money, 50,000 pieces of silver, and Luke says the word of the Lord prevails and it increases. Where is the love? Where is the love? People blinded by pagan idolatry, people blinded by pagan religion, people blinded by sorcery and witchcraft being delivered. Why? Because of the faithful proclamation of the name of Jesus Christ, both in a a, a hall of a tyrant, as well as out on the streets and God's love is just pouring out on the place. Now, this prevailing over unbelief, this prevailing love that comes should, should suddenly cause you to think for a moment and say, you know, what did it take to save me? What did it take to save me? You know, what did it take to save us? If it was not God's love through the power of the Holy Spirit and the proclamation of the name of Jesus, what else could have saved us? You say, well, you know, I don't have all that dramatic of a conversion. Sorry, so what? Every true conversion to Jesus Christ is a miracle of God to bring us out of darkness and into the glorious light of Jesus Christ. Don't lose sight of that. If you think to yourself, oh, I got a rather dull conversion story. No, you were dead. (laughs) You were dead. And God brought you to light and life through Jesus Christ. So where is the love? You see it in the work of the Holy Spirit. You see it in the proclamation of the word. And then you also see it then In the variety of ways in which the Spirit uses the word to prevail. Not every example in the book of Acts is as dramatic as Ephesus. Not every example is like Philippi where there's an earthquake. Nevertheless, God is the one who decides to use the Spirit in the way he chooses. And in every case, though, it is the word of the Lord which prevails. You know, so great was the concern about Paul's ministry in Ephesus and what that m- might mean to the temple of Diana and what that might mean to the trade unions that were making the trinkets and all of the books and all of this stuff that they ended up rioting for two hours in the streets against Paul and for this false God. And Paul had to escape and leave the city and yet God, by his grace, left a witness there. The word of the Lord prevailed. You know, I I think we all would love a dramatic, a dramatic scene. I was telling them. Down in in, in the village this morning in Fort Edward, I said, what would it be like if suddenly hundreds of people, they're standing around the church, we have to open the doors and the windows and they're filling the church and they don't care that it's cold and they don't care that they have to stand there just there to hear the word of the Lord. Can you imagine what that would be like? Can you imagine if suddenly the parking lot's full, the spirit of God is moved, that his place is packed full of people wanting to hear the word of the Lord? that, That would be, that would be okay, wouldn't it? I mean, I I think you'd still be okay with that. But just because that may not happen today doesn't mean that the Spirit of God hasn't met with us, hasn't nurtured us, hasn't loved us, hasn't cared for us. Well, we can't fall asleep to that, we've got to be as excited and aware of that work as if it was some big dramatic thing that was happening all around us. For it is the love of God still that through the work of the Holy Spirit opens our hearts to Jesus. And in this regard then, we can give thanks to the Lord for His Spirit who is at work through the word which prevails even though the Spirit does it in a variety of ways. And so here's the invitation for you this morning. Come fully into this love. Come fully into it. Come, come with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength into this love. Ephesus, incredibly dramatic, inspiring story. But at its heart, it is a love story no different than the love of God that delivered you from your sins, delivered me from my sins. We just, too, by faith, we just need to keep coming more deeply into it. And then, of course, as we do, we need to rejoice in it. We need to rejoice, and we were talking about transparency earlier, and this is one of the ways that rejoicing happens in congregational life, when we are actually transparent one with another about the work of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God taking place. I was listening to a sermon this past week and a very helpful illustration, and I wanted to share it because it was so very helpful to me. Think, Think about in Philippi when the earthquake takes place and the jailer is converted. You know, he's about ready to kill himself and he's converted. I mean, that's very dramatic. But you know, before that took place, at the beginning of the Philippi story, we're told about a woman named Lydia. And you know what Lydia's conversion story was? The, the Lord opened her heart and she believed. Now, just think that the jailer shows up at church in Philippi and he meets Lydia and he says, Oh, Lydia, tell me, how did you get saved? And Lydia says, Well, you know, I was sitting there and I was listening to that guy talk and suddenly I realized I wasn't a Christian and I prayed and I believed in Jesus and it's been great. He says, What? You mean you didn't have an earthquake? You didn't almost kill yourself? You were on the verge of dying? You can't be a Christian. You didn't have a big story. Or can you imagine Lydia looks at him and says, like, oh, I think you're over-dramatizing the whole thing. I think you're leaning way in too much, too much emotion in your conversion story. Do you really believe in Jesus or are you just believing in the story? No, the Spirit works in a variety of ways. We need to be transparent one with another and learn to rejoice in the wonderful and unique way that God has opened our hearts to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we come more fully into this love and we rejoice in this love, then we need to pray for this love to abound. The way that Mike talked about it last week, prayer that is rooted in the power that is exerted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was a that was a fantastic thing that Mike pointed out last week. Our prayers rooted in power, power exor- exerted in the resurrection of Jesus, power displayed then in the exaltation of Jesus and power, exercised in the dominion of Jesus. If love is to be abounding within us, it must come through the power of the risen Christ, exalted, exercising dominion over all of the world. That's an invitation for us to receive. So that when we ask, well, where's the love? We say, The Spirit has been poured out upon us. The Word of God has been proclaimed among us. And God is so gracious to work in a variety of ways through us. All of it rooted in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let me ask you have you come to that love? In a saving way, have you come to that love? If someone said to you, hey, where's the love? Would you be able to tell them, show them, point them to it? If you have not come to his love with a heart of faith and and repentance for your sins, this invitation is open to you today to come to God's salvation. But if you have accepted that salvation, the invitation remains open for you to grow, grow, grow in his love so that we look at our lives and we can say by God's grace we we love more fully today than we did last year (laughs) we are we are entering more powerfully into the love of Christ today than I have ever before and this is God's gracious love poured out because next week Jesus comes to his church and he says where's the love and we're going to have to wrestle with that uh, from Revelation 2. Now, Father, we thank you for the gathering of your people this morning. We thank you, O oh God, for your word. We thank you for what you did in the city of Ephesus. Do we long for and plead with you to do that here as well? Yes. Yes. And Lord, we will continue to seek to be faithful until it is done in the way that you choose to do it. But now, O Lord, as we come before your table, let us come ready to receive the blessing of your love and the manifestation of Christ here in this place, rooted in his death and his burial and his resurrection and his glorious ascension in his exaltation and in his rule and reign over us. I'll give you a few moments to prepare your hearts further uh, for the fellowship around the table and may we be ready to receive the blessing of the risen Christ.
0: Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Ken Prater of Durkeytown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. You may freely copy and distribute this message, but please do so at no charge and without altering the contents in any way. For more information about Durky Town please visit our website at www.durkytown.org